guys, this is Tina with Branding and Life. Thanks for joining us. We have been looking at John, um, just finding out like who God is, what his nature is, and what commands he has for us, and this is part of discipleship. We've been doing this for a bit now on the podcast, and we're going to continue today. We're looking at John chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 15 today. So, um, verse 1, afterward Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five, colored por- uh, five covered porches. Sorry, Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the porches. Um, one of the men laying there, excuse me, lying there, had been sick for nearly 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, "You You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But then, but he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something worse may, something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that he was, that it was Jesus who had healed him. Sorry about that, guys. So verses 1 through 15, that was the New Living Translation. So kind of looking at the nature of God in this passage, and one of the first things that stands out is verse 1. It says that Jesus returned to, Jew, uh, to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Now this may not mean a whole lot to you, but it really kind of stands out to me because it tells me that Jesus is obedient to the Father. And so the reason why I know that is because in Deuteronomy 16:16. Um, the Lord God lays out the three feasts um, that all Jewish males must come to Jerusalem for. And one of the Jewish feasts is Passover, and that's the the uh, feast that's happening here in this passage. So I, I just find it interesting that, like, Jesus is not a person who tells us to obey God the Father and then doesn't do it himself. Like, I don't know if you've ever been led by someone who told you to do something, but they wouldn't do it themselves. You know, this is for thee, but not for me kind of deal. Um, but Jesus is not doesn't lead like that. He doesn't lead from, you do this, but I don't have to. If he's telling us to obey the Father, it's clear from Scripture that he obeys the Father. Um, so this place um, that they would go to, in another one of the Gospels, and I don't remember which one, but it says specifically that, this being healed at the pool of Bethesda, that there was um, a belief that an angel would come down and stir the waters. And when the angel stirred the waters, the first person into the pool would get healed. And so that's why you've got, like, all of these people lying around the pool of Bethesda. They're waiting for the waters to be stirred. And this guy has been laying there for 38 years. And, um, And he's one of the people of the blind and lame and paralyzed on the porches. Um, when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill a long time, verse 6, he asked him, would you like to get well? So when I was um, a teenager and I would read this passage, to me that kind of seemed like a obvious question. Like, well, 
obviously, doesn't he want to get well? I mean, he's laying at the pool of Bethesda, waiting for the waters to be stirred. I mean, isn't that kind of an obvious question? And what I have found as I got older is two things. One, sometimes God will ask me an obvious question to get at the root of what's going on inside of me. <laughs> and then two, the other thing that I've discovered is that I've spent years as a nurse taking care of sick people. And if you've been, he's been sick 38 years, this guy in this passage. And so what happens sometimes when you're dealing with a chronic illness is that the illness itself becomes a part of how you see yourself. So people who, you know, if you get the flu, you say to people, oh, I've got the flu, knowing that you'll get over it and you'll be fine. However, if you have high blood pressure, um, or if you have diabetes, people will now characterize themselves as diabetic. Or they'll characterize themselves as, like, owning the disease. I'm asthmatic. Or it's not, I have a, I have an issue. It's that this issue is now a part of who I am, if that makes sense. So when you deal with chronic illness, that's one of the things that happens, if you're not careful, is that your sense of identity becomes wrapped up in the illness. Um, so sometimes... Asking people if they want to get well is a good question to ask because their view of themselves gets kind of a little bit skewed, or at least that's been my experience with folks over the years I've been in nursing, um, because they now see themselves and the disease process as one thing. Um, and in verse 7, the man says to him, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when, it, when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. So... Um, I don't know how to say this except just to say it. When I read this passage here recently, as I'm reading it, it sounded like he was whining. I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, I whine. <laughs> like when I don't feel good, I whine. And if I've been sick for a while, I really whine. Um, and so Jesus says, do you want to get well? I mean, it's Jesus. He can heal him, obviously. But instead of the man going, yes, I want to get well, Jesus, please heal me, like he's Jesus is pretty well known at this point. Like, it, he's the itinerant minister who has these miracles happen when he ministers. So, like, he's pretty well known. So instead of going, yes, sir, yes, miracle man, I would like to be healed, he says, I can't. Someone always gets there ahead of me. So I think there's a tendency sometimes when we are dealing with chronic illness to play, to get to, the like, the poor pitiful me. I don't know about you, but I've been dealing with blind spots in my left eye for mm, close to a decade now. And there are times when I'm dealing with the issues of how it makes my vision appear. It's so frustrating. I just kind of occasionally slip over into the poor, pitiful me side of things, right? Because I believe in a miraculous God and I believe in miraculous healing, and I still haven't experienced it for myself. I've seen other people be healed seen other people be healed when I pray for them, but I haven't experienced it myself, and I find it very frustrating. And so occasionally when I'm dealing with this issue with my eye, I kind of slip over into poor pitiful me. And so as someone who has dealt with this personally, I can tell you verse 7 is what I sound like when I'm in that moment. I'm like, I can't because of blah, 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 blah. So um, Jesus says to him in verse 8, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. I love that about Jesus. He is very kind. He is very generous. 
he is very sweet even, but he also doesn't tolerate the stuff that's beneath our identity. So when I whine, he just says, we're not doing that, we're doing this. Like He doesn't even address the whining, right, which is probably the best thing to do with when somebody's whining. When I'm whining, he doesn't address my whining, he addresses what needs to happen next, which I think is a great way to address whining. So for all you parents out there, that's how you address whining with your kids. Like, don't even address the whining. Just this is what we're doing now. Just ignore the whining. <laughs> um, so he says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 9, instantly he was healed. He rolls up his mat. He begins walking. But, but, this happens on the Sabbath. And because it happens on the Sabbath, it stirs the pot. So the Jewish leaders objected. And they said to the guy, like, hey, you can't do that. This is the Sabbath. You know, the law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat. And he says, well, the guy who healed me said, pick up your mat and walk. So that's, you know, that's what I'm doing. And they said to him, who said such a thing as that, they demanded. Verse 12. That cracks me up. Here's a man laying at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. Count them. 38 years. He is miraculously healed, up and walking, and the thing that you're concerned about is that he's carrying a mat. Seriously? That's what you're concerned about? Like, the guy has been in this horrible situation for 38 years. He gets healed. He's got his mat. He's walking around. He ain't been able to walk in 38 years. It's exciting. Like, look at that. This is amazing. Who told you to pack that mat? Like, seriously, you're worried about the mat? That's crazy to me. So verse 13, he doesn't know who healed him. So apparently Jesus wasn't as well known to this guy as he was to other people. He says he doesn't know who who healed him because Jesus disappeared into the crowd, right? Lots of people at this place. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, Now you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. That's a good piece of advice for Jesus, isn't it? And then verse 15 Verse 15, y'all, this man. (laughs) My friend Ashley was like, I can't believe that in verse 15. It says that he went and told the Jewish leaders who Jesus was, that Jesus had healed him. Like, like he specifically went and found the Jewish leaders and ratted Jesus out. My friend Ashley was like, I cannot believe he ratted Jesus out. After, After Jesus healed him, he ratted Jesus out to the Jewish leaders knowing that it was going to get Jesus in trouble because the Jewish leaders have already fussed at him. Why are you packing a mat on the Sabbath? Anyway, I just think that that's just hilarious. Poor Jesus, man. Gets betrayed by the guy he does a miracle for. That's terrible. So I think the character of Jesus that's revealed in this part of this, this, this part of Scripture is that he doesn't even, like, engage in whining. He just says what we need to do next. Like, he keeps his eye focused on on what needs to be done, not on everybody's complaining, which is a good thing to do. It's great leadership qualities. He obviously is miraculous. He healed this man. And the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is that <clears throat> I think it shows something very specific about Jesus, these 15 verses. So verse 1 he is going to Jerusalem because Deuteronomy 16:16 16, 16 says that he has to be in Jerusalem for Passover because he's a Jewish male, right? That is a specific, direct law from God. 
the Lord God Almighty said, Thou shalt do this. And Jesus, being obedient to God the Father, does what Father God says. He shows up in Israel on the feast like he's supposed to. He obeys the law. He has a high respect for the law, and he obeys the law. He obeys the voice of his Father. However, (laughs) what you also see about him is that down in verse um, 12 and 13, where these religious leaders are like, who told you you could walk, who told you you could pack your mat on the Sabbath? So what you need to know about Judaism at this time is that the Judaism that existed in the day of Jesus was not, not the same, exact same religion that existed at the time that Moses and the law existed. There was this whole religion that sprung up because of events in history where the Jews were taken over um, by different um, surrounding countries around them and different wars that had happened. A whole religious belief system sprung up called Judaism that was not the same as what you read in the Old Testament um, as far as like Mo- uh, Moses and the law and the Levites. It wasn't the same. It was very similar in some ways, but very different in others. And what had happened over the years is that different teachers of the law, called rabbis, had given their explanations, opinions, and commentary on uh, the the writings, the, the, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. They had given their explanations and commentary, and then in that commentary they kind of fleshed out, if you will, the principles of the Old Testament. So what you see in the Old Testament is, is, you know, in Exodus 20, you see the Lord God saying, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You know, six days shall you work, on the seventh day rest. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's what the Lord says. It's a guiding principle. It's not a specific directive. It's a guiding principle of how to behave on the seventh day. And then the rabbis over the years have taken that guiding principle and made really specific demands based on those principles. And one of the demands that they had made is that you can't carry bedding on the Sabbath. You can't walk so far on the Sabbath. I mean, on the Sabbath you can go so far and no further. That's called a Sabbath walk. Like they made these really specific rules and regulations based upon the principle that God gave. So what is binding in this situ- in this situation is not the rules and regulations that man gave. What is binding is the principle that the Lord God gave. So what you see in this passage in Jesus' character is that Father God gave a very specific directive in Deuteronomy 16.16. 16. You will go to Jerusalem three times a year. And Jesus obeyed that very specific directive. But when it comes to the principle of resting on the Sabbath, he didn't obey the rabbi's directions. He obeyed the Lord God's principles, and it ticked him off. And eventually, it got him crucified. So what I value so much, one of the things I value so much about Jesus is that he absolutely will not violate the law of God but he has zero problems violating man's understanding of God's law. 
Like, he does not care one jot or tittle, to borrow a phrase, about our rules and regulations. He does not care about man's rules, regulations, or traditions. They are not binding to him or anyone else. He obeys the principle of the law, the principles of God and the specific directions of the law. But he does not obey man's uh, interpretation. The other thing I would like to say is that I really felt like when I was praying about this this week that the Lord showed me that <clears throat> this man getting healed was not considered work, right? Because if it was work, you can't do that on Sabbath. You can't work on Sabbath. So to all my friends out there who believe in supernatural healing, and I'm one of them, if you're having to work at it, if you're having to work, at strive, at seeing someone healed supernaturally, then you're out of order. Because this passage very clearly shows that healing is not work. If healing was work, Jesus wouldn't have done it on the Sabbath. Healing is not work. Speaking to someone and saying, be healed, is not work. It is the Lord God who does the work. And it's us that get to be... Um, co-laborers with him in the sense that we partner with him, but he's the one who's actually doing the work. You and I, we can't heal somebody, not even if we tried. We couldn't heal nobody. But the Lord God can. And our job is to partner with him and to say what he's saying. But we cannot, through our own efforts, see anybody get healed. It's never going to happen. But the Lord God is willing to heal people, regardless of whether it's a Sabbath or not a Sabbath. Because healing is not work to him. So, yeah. So I want to encourage you as we close out today to obey the specific directions of God, but let the guiding principles be guiding principles. Don't create law where there is no law. Right? So, Lord God, we bless you. We thank you. We praise your holy name. And we pray that you will help us to have a heart that seeks to obey you in every area of our lives, but that does not seek to create law where you have not created law. And we ask you to guide us and lead us, help us to grow to know you more and to obey you more. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time on Running in Life. Mm-hmm.